Hello, Brian. Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You, uh, you made it. I made it just in the nick of time. I was there was a moment where, um, and I was of course flying, following your flight in <laughs> right, like it's Elon Jet exactly. Elon Jet exactly, <laughs> uh, and um, I am thinking, well, you know, maybe we need to get going with if we have to get going without you here, and have you like you maybe you're going to be joining in as you're kind of like walking, you know, on the concourse or something. <laughs> um, so I will need to kick off the recording bot. And I'm just describing this to Steve Klabnik, and I'm like, there's like a wolf named Jeff. Is that right? He's like, I think you mean Craig. <laughs> and it was Jeff with a G in my, in my, I go, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, I was, we don't feel like I was that close. I think, well, and now that I'm looking at it, like, that's not a, what is that? What is Craig. the Craig? In your, in your head, you sounded weirder about it than I heard you <laughs> say to me. It was a very normal question of how do I set on the recording? So what do you think you're okay? <laughs> well, it's like wolf named Jeff with a G. Can you hear yourself? I mean, this, this is okay. What is, a, wolf, what is wolf? What, you're saying wolf? Like the, I'm the saying canid? Wolf. Okay. Yes, the, the, the canid. What is the icon there for our friend Craig? Oh, 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 got it. I, uh, I mean, it's not I, thought, I mean, it's it's the bear. Yeah, I. Is I it just, a bear with like a pacifier? Like, what's going on with the bear? I don't want to. It's know, got a microphone. Microphone. So, <laughs> I agree that the at the resolution, it is a little uh, hard to tell exactly what it is. I mean, I'm going with pacifier on that one. Are you certain it's not a pacifier? Could it be a pacifier? <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, could be, just, Brian, before we get into it, I just yeah, want to make bet. sure you're not sounding millennial podcast I, the, audio I was, quality. And, okay. And I just want to check. It, it, no, the, this is true. Is it, is it terrible? No, no, it's it totally fine. Be, it should be like serviceable, but not, not millennial is, podcast quality. Do, it, is, it, it is vaguely radio. Like, right. like you're, you're like an interlude of a 90s rock song and you're going to say like two sentences and then cut back to the normal. Yeah, he, no, he's ready to spit. Exactly. Uh, no, okay. you sound you sound totally serviceable, just not. It th- sounds like you're not in the litter box, as it were. I am not in the litter box. Yeah. Yes, I'm not in the litter no box problem. because I felt for this that I needed to be among my books. I wanted. I, to almost, be... did it. I almost spit out my water. <laughs> I just. I, I, I'm clothed, by the way. I mean, it's, I, 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 said <laughs> well, that, I don't know that, why you. Uh, why would you bring that up? Why would, <laughs> why would you? Because I. I'm clothed now. I'm clothed now. I, I, I put clothes on. I, I after I rubbed them all over my body. Look, I. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, no, no, it's it's great. Th- th- this is what you're missing out on by being, you know, an ebook reader. You know, you, you miss the opportunity to <laughs> well, rub your books uh, all have, over yourself. I, I'm very excited to talk about a paper book that I'm holding with me right now. Oh boy! Talk, radio sound effects right there. <laughs> the radio sound effects. That's like the feet walking. Across Drive the ball to center field, right? <laughs> okay, what is that paper book that I that I I heard I distinctly hear on, well, on we, radio time hour? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so this is our our time honored, I guess, tradition of talking about books we're reading, and as a stage dive, it's going to be very important for people to raise their hand to talk about the books that they're reading. But yes. um, a book that I'm reading, actually, I just finished it on the airplane. I was coming back from Grandmasters Nationals, where we finished a ignominious seventh. And I finished on the plane. Um, a book that someone DM'd or, or uh, tweeted at us, Brian. And I don't think you really? noticed it. Yeah. Um, okay. it is, it, I, yeah. And, and I was sort of, I was sort of, uh, 
I was, I was going to present this to you at some point, and I guess this is the point, but there is a book about Sun and about McNeely written in about 1999, 1998-99. Yeah, um, I have not read it. I've seen it. I know I can visualize the cover. What's it called? It is called... Well, I'm um, going gonna, gonna to give you one guess because the title is eerily and I think accidentally prophetic, and it's playing on Sun. Yeah, and it's One not guess. Java Man. No, no. Um, it's I do not remember the title. What, what it is, is the title? High Noon. High Noon. High Noon. Uh, right. by Karen Karen Southwick. Okay. And it, it, it was like pretty. It was pretty good. It was a, a pretty good. Um, what is chronicle it of, it, about ninety nine? Oh, but you said ninety nine. Sorry, you said that. So, it's, so this and, is... and, that, and that's why I feel like High Noon was so ap- at, like appropriate <laughs> of a title. <laughs> Because yeah, they, really they can't have known that it was about to be, I mean, you know, dusk and then midnight. Um, but uh, yeah, talking about from the, the start of sun to accidentally its peak at high noon. Um, yes. You know, uh, and like, you know, not, uh, not tons and tons of technical details, but good stuff about Gosling and Joy and John Gage and, uh, stuff about you know the the founder squabbles early on, um, and it was it was you know not not too long, pretty good, and certainly for someone who came in right after that, I'm kicking myself that I didn't read this you know 25 years ago or whatever. But um, but you know really, it, I think they captured a lot of the um, the management zeitgeist, this kind of teetering between chaos and organization, uh, captured that pretty faithfully. Yeah, interesting. I, I feel yeah. that like the uh, Sun is to blame not for the most mendacious of Google's management, but for the most incompetent. You know what I mean? Like that, in, <laughs> that the incompetent streak in Google's management. I think you can chalk up to Sun in that like Sun did believe uh, incompetent is a little too strong, but uh, uh, hands off for sure. Um, yeah. Well, in, in and then ways that were positive often. I mean, and I only came in after the end of the planets, but I guess there was this management oh, paradigm planets. of oh, right there. You go. You, I know you were right in the middle of it, um, but right where it. basically yeah. I think the idea was sort of to <laughs> let independent organizations be independent and entrepreneurial, but the end effect was that one a customer ostensibly buying from Sun was talking to like five different organizations that mutually hated each other or we're also, like, trying to re- resell each other's stuff with a markup. Is planet the metaphor you want to go for here? You know what I mean? It's just like, does this make sense? It's like in our solar system, only one planet is habitable. It's only one of the... Which is Earth, have, right. Right, the, the, which one of these is Earth? Like, the, which is Venus? Which is Mercury? The planets have nothing to do with one another. You can't get from one of the planets to the... It's like, really? Like, can't we... Is it, I, I bet we could come up with a better metaphor. In fact, I'm not sure we could come up with a worse metaphor. So for the people, the, the, the planets were the different divisions inside of Sun. So we were at Sunsoft, um, which, if, it, if for those folks that are kind of longtime Sun watchers, you can blame the planet model for the fact that the compilers are no longer free. That was Sunsoft trying to monetize the compilers because Sunsoft needed to monetize itself and it needed to treat Sun Microsystems Computer Corporation, SMCC, like just another customer, which was not, that was, it was bad. That was it. So you had SMCC and you had JavaSoft and, the, and, you, and then you had Sunsoft, Sprite. yeah. 
Sunsoft, Sparkmark Electronics, and then you and then it got weird. Then there were like they started <laughs> these like new planets. It, I mean, it was it was like you know like Pluto. Like you had these things that are like oh, it's this is no longer a planet. This is now just like a, a, a celestial object now, and it's it was a mess. It, the whole yeah, thing was a big, big mess. But I learned about uh, this thing news, like this pr- a predecessor to X Windows. News, yeah, that, absolutely, yeah, yeah, that, that I that I had I knew nothing about. So it was, it really, was, it was a, yeah, that's yeah. that's like Gosling's first. That, that's like yeah. The, yeah, it was a big deal. Um, no, for sure, for sure, it was a big deal, and I think Sun really tried to make it a thing, and it, it didn't go. And I think that it, that then when Java kind of rolled around, they were like, "Let's not do news again." And it sort of a, a, almost directly spawned out of the failure of news. Uh, the folks involved were, you know, one one of them was uh, one of the key, key folks in Java was about to leave to go to Next, had signed an offer. And got yanked back um, by Scott McNeely. Actually, they were on the same pickup hockey team, and huh. and Scott kind of pulled him back. So, anyway, bunch of, bunch of interesting anecdotes for the Sun lovers on the call. Yeah, that sounds great. And I, I can see. Uh, I know uh, Tom is here. Again. They can get. I'm sure Tom oh, yeah. is red hot in or not. But uh, uh, yeah, and Tom, Tom you you the, uh, there's definitely an anecdote about you in there, Tom, about um, some some pranks that you pulled. So. It, uh, I'm sure you've seen it, but it was it was pretty fun. This is the uh, we, we got an oxide in friends regular contributor that's in high noon. This is uh, yeah. the, the, boy, gotta talk about bearing the lead there. That's exciting. Yeah, to go. Well, just, the, the Tom Lyon anecdote alone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that um, on the subject of Tom, um, I a book that Tom had recommended. I I think the first time. So we should actually set the context a little bit. Uh, we did this originally um, almost three years ago, September of 2021. Sorry, that'd be almost two years ago. Uh, and then we did another one of these in uh, June of last year. Um, and uh, it turned out to be really interesting, and there were a lot of really good recommendations. Um, Tom, in particular, had made the recommendation about what the Dormouse said by John Markoff, and I had kind of been meaning to read that, Tom, and I uh, finally got around to it. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was a great one. So thank you for that recommendation, Tom. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. The uh, Yeah, I, I don't realize I was in high noon. I read it a long time ago, but I don't remember. Uh, 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 Tom, you're, I mean, we, you're always been famous to us, but this is, you know, this is, you're, uh, you're book famous. Great. Um, and so... And then Tom, you had um, I and I've I still I sadly the making of the microchip is still where it was a year ago. So uh, namely on my bookshelf where I look at it, uh, it, it it's yeah, uh, you, daunting volume. It's daunting. Have you made any progress on it? No, uh, I ju- I just got through a, another book though called A History of Silicon Valley by mm. Piero Scarufi. And it's a it's a terrible book, in that <laughs> there's no plot or story or anything, but it's just knee deep in facts and figures, and it's fascinating. And it covers not just the computer side of things, but also biotech and military and cultural stuff. So it's pretty interesting. You know, and I feel like the biotech side of Silicon Valley is way too often forgotten. That that there's a I mean. But this is also, uh, I mean, Boston, I think, is, is rightfully thought of as kind of the historical epicenter of biotech. 
but uh, there is, San Francisco would be uh, certainly in the running there. With I mean, this is where uh, I, obviously PCR was invented here. It's a great book, actually. On have you have you read the book on PCR? There's a great book on PCR. No. I've that already years ago. Have you read this? I, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Um, was it about the chemist who's really into drugs and stuff? Yeah, it was the chemist <laughs> who's really into drugs. That that, that that's the one. Um, the yeah. um. I'll, I'll go dig that one up because that was actually a great read and a good reminder of, of the kind of this area's role um, in, but that's as good. So the, 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 we, you, not well-structured, but worth reading nonetheless, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a great place to dive in and, and then go Google about the stuff he's talking about. He also has no references, which is a drag. So it's not, it's, it's a very strange book, but uh, just thick with details. The book that I was thinking of, by the way, is Making PCR, A Story of Biotechnology, uh, 2011, um, which was a uh, really interesting history of PCR. Uh, yeah, uh, so you, so, you were talking about the planets earlier. I, I, I yeah. should note that today, today is the anniversary of the water war between Sun Labs and SunSoft. <laughs> okay. Could were you around for Brian? I was not, but this is definitely handed down to me as oral tradition so i would be very curious to fact check it no this predates me but th so yeah, could so I, you I, yeah I, I posted i posted a link that has the raw footage but it was this amazing war that was prepared for for several weeks on both sides and included you know helicopter support <laughs> and god knows what else and this People is all, some all kinds of trebuchets and yeah so it was it was basically between the Sun Labs building and the next building over, which was one of the Sunsoft buildings, and the little pond in between, and people marching back and forth and flinging water balloons. And I, so I, I, I actually, I actually didn't see it either. It was, I was traveling for some reason. But can I but describe how this was totally handed down to me? As okay. as kind of uh, legend was, and I get a very curious how accurate this the, the, this this is or was. Uh, oh, and Ben Stoltz is there. Ben can can weigh in as well. But so the way, the way this was handed down to me is that it was Sun, it was Labs versus the operating system group versus SunSoft, and over at Labs you had the these ridiculously ornate contraptions and a trebuchet that never quite worked correctly. Uh, and meanwhile, over at Sunsoft, they had just had the old surgical tube slingshot and they were just doing enormous damage with just this like very simple slingshot, kind of a three or four person slingshot. And they are just like absolutely launching water balloons um, with deadly accuracy. And of course, this is the triumph of of the, the 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 pragmatic guerrilla movement over the, the 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 kind of the fancy labs trebuchet is the way that was is is that at all is there any reality to that at all? I don't recall what you know who won or whatever. It was just a total melee. And uh, at the time, we I had we we had a Russian au pair living with us who was taking care of our kids, and she was dating a guy in Sun Labs, and so she saw it. And came back and reported as like the most completely fucking insane thing she had ever seen. It's still stuff of legend. And that was how many years ago tonight? That was you said. Nineteen ninety-two. So. Nineteen ninety-two. Okay, so when I show up in ninety-six, but it was definitely legendary. Um, when by the time I yeah. showed up. 
the other great story I heard was that uh, the Sun Labs guys got wind of Sunsoft hiring a helicopter. And so they got out their, their radio gear and they jammed all the frequencies so they couldn't coordinate with the helicopter. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. I guess so we're pretty high, pretty I, high tech. Uh, uh, pretty high tech. Also, I think uh, emotions running pretty high is kind of the, the, yeah, uh, yeah. when you're calling it an airstrike. Yeah, I think so. You're calling it a literal airstrike. Exactly. It's like no, we're we're gonna jam their communications. They're like, isn't uh, is that civil aviation? Is this legal? Uh, where are we? Where are <laughs> Some we? Sort of counterinsurgency. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Have we drifted into yeah. domestic terrorism here? Um, yeah, I don't think any of that was legal. But... That's pretty great. Um. Well, a, a uh, another book that I actually so as long as Ian, you're here, um, because you made a recommendation that I also read that I loved, which was Cyberville by Stacey Horn, um, about the history of Echo. And Ian, I was wondering if you did you actually read that? I know you'd recommended it. I think you'd started to read it by, uh, last year. Yeah, I read it after I recommended it. To the- <laughs> right. What did you think? I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was interesting because so this is a well-like social network. This is like New York's equivalent of the well. This is Echo. And I thought it was really interesting because I felt there was so much foreshadowing for what later happened to the internet and social networking where we saw this real dark side. Ian, what did you think? Yeah, I think there was a lot of lessons learned that uh, got relearned about five to ten years later. And we could have avoided a lot of pain <laughs> if if more people had read this book um, that were involved in in uh, the next wave of social networks. Uh, and Elon Musk, not too late. You could still figure out how social networking works. Um, the, the you could because uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of actually currency in there still today. So the, and that, that was a, that was a great recommendation. And you, I'd also read, although I'd done this a year ago, but. Uh, the um the, your the the book on blockbuster which was absolutely terrific and why is that title escaping me i don't actually have it in front of me it's not too big to fail what is it the the blockbuster book uh yes <laughs> i can't remember um either no, no, I'll, I'll take that up. yeah yeah um that was another uh terrific book. is this this was built to fail Built to fail, exactly. Not too big to fail. Very much not too big to fail. Yes, built to fail, <laughs> which is a a, a great book about. Uh, and that's where I learned. It's is it HMB? Is that the Steve? Is that the grocery store in in Texas? Am I remembering that right? No. What's the what, what's the grocery H-E-B. store? HEB. 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 Yeah, which was uh, really extraordinary to learn about, and they're kind of. Their execution, it sounds like they are uh, every bit as good as this book made them out to be. Um, it sounds like they're, they're really an interesting grocery store. Um, so the other book that I, I just took a very long time to get through, like on the order of many weeks, not months, to get through a book that I would highly recommend, a little book that no one's heard of called Moby Dick. I, I read Moby Dick, Adam. And have you read Moby Dick? No, never read Moby Dick uh, since we, we, you, you threatened to have this um, I did this show I did. exclusively I on Moby Dick. I wanted to dedicate this show to Moby Dick. This is true. That's right. I I only got as far as downloading it onto my Kindle, but it's it's it's. Well, to which your response was, "Are you concerned that we have too many listeners?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the best audience for my jokes is me, separated by a small amount of time. Uh 
I so okay. So we do not. We will not dedicate the entire show to Moby Dick, but Moby but. Dick is extraordinary. It's really, really good. I, I, I think it's, it's really outstanding. It is. Uh, it's well written. It's got. Um, there's so much in there thematically. So the reason I do, you, I, I know I'm, I'm now answering the question that no one's asked, but do you know how I got to Moby Dick? Tommy. I yeah, exactly. Uh, do I have a choice? It doesn't feel like a very important <laughs> question. Let's get so, it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when we were, and I was actually, I'm curious if you heard me use whaling as a metaphor. I would oh, use yeah. whaling as a metaphor. Yes, 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 absolutely, and, and you, uh, in particular, around hard tech investing. I think. Yes, that's right. That hard tech investing is that you're going whaling, and yeah. and in particular, I there was one VC firm in particular that was really a poor fit that should not be investing in hard tech because they haven't done any. All they've done is software, and I was telling them, it's like you need to fish from the pier. We're going whaling. Which I intended to like tell them why they are not a fit. Unfortunately, it made them desire oxide, or thought they thought they desired oxide a lot more. They thought I was like, this isn't a negotiation tactic. I'm telling you, like, there's a lot that's like not great about whaling. Um, but this idea that like you're on this, because I think it's amazing that you'd go on this multi-year journey. Um, and but I was I, at the back of my head, I'm like, am I like how over my skis am I on this one? I don't actually know that much about whaling. And I was talking to a friend of mine who is super into whaling, and I was asking her, like, what would be the book to read on whaling? She's like, the book to read on whaling is Moby Dick. Like, that is the book to read on whaling. And she's like, I got the edition for you. So you want to get the the Aryan Press edition. Um, this was a like a handcrafted edition of which they only made 250 copies, but you can now buy a reproduction of this for like, you know, whatever, 10 bucks. Um, and it's amazing. So like they have a, they, they developed their own, it's all the hand press custom font and everything. Um, so the, the edition is amazing, but the book is just incredible. And there's a lot you can say about Moby Dick, but I feel like there's in all the analyses I've read, there's one piece that was missing, namely Herman Melville is super, super into whaling. That's just a very important detail. Like this guy is really into whaling. Um, and you just learn a lot, I think, about and, – and I would say that, like, I come away with having more conviction than ever that this is actually a good metaphor for a startup because you are going whaling. You're going on this multi-year journey. You are kind of getting your crew. You're getting together, and then you're taking this extraordinary risk, although not to life or limb, but to, to, to go – to venture out. And in a whaling ship, the crew actually has a slice of the profits called the lay – um, in a whaling ship, and uh, perhaps like a startup, they it tends to not be worth very much. That's the like, <laughs> to like so you know you uh, you kind of can't chase that metaphor as much as you want. Uh, but a really good book. I think it's a really good book, and I think it's like funny. I laughed out loud a bunch. Um, I nice. also think it's a absolute waste to inflict this on anyone who is like certainly younger than. 30. I would say younger than 40. Like certainly a high, no high school student should should need to read Moby Dick because you, like you're a child. You, like you, this this book has nothing for you. Like you don't actually you, the, the 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 deep resonance of this book you're not going to have until you have a lot more life experience. This is what I have to say. Education's wasted on the young. Um can we can you share what you shared about uh Moby with me? 
Oh, I that, know that this that, is a that, little... that Moby the the artist. Yes. Is the yeah? This is like you know when you this is the other reason to read Moby Dick. It's like you get into the Moby Dick Club, and now there are all these Moby Dick references <laughs> that you get. Oh, by the way, okay, you know one thing I am not doing. By the way, I am not spoiling the ending for you. And Good. some there is like we socially we just don't seem like there's this idea that like I don't know it's written in the 19th century anyone can spoil the ending for anyone else. It's like <laughs> come on, there's no and so. I was watching, and you feel like, I mean, like, nothing is safe. You know, I was watching Major League mm-hmm. with my 16-year-old, because we view it as a documentary about the Oakland A's. We'll leave that aside. But so we're watching Major League, a movie made in the 80s, that has a very explicit Moby Dick spoiler in it. <laughs> oh, and in delightful. particular... The, the, there's like because I mean I know I, the, the love story in Major League. I, I, I what do you mean you don't recall the love story in Major League, Adam? There's a love story in Major League. You and the uh, in particular he he the catcher needs to prove his yeah, love. Crash Davis. You're right. Isn't Crash right? Davis? Oh no no I'm, I'm I'm I've got Bull Durham. I'm sorry that's Bull Durham. Pardon me. Also yeah. a great book. Or also a great movie. But the uh, no the the uh, but the catcher needs to prove his love by reading Moby Dick, and she asks him an extremely specific question about the ending. While I'm reading Moby Dick, I'm like Jesus Christ! You literally just ruined the actual ending for me. Anyway, I'm not ruining the ending. <laughs> I'm not gonna like. I think people like casually like this is an ending that I feel is famously spoiled, and I'm not gonna spoil it. So that's all I'm gonna say. Well, and this is important. Uh, pro tip along with read Moby Dick, which is don't also watch Major League. So hold off for a few months oh, on watching exactly. Major League. If you're Actually, I, I don't know how many people have been reading Moby Dick being on the edge of their seat reading Moby Dick <laughs> while they're watching Major League, but I'm just saying it happened to me. It's really a pretty small, I mean, a small club. <laughs> it feels like a small club. It feels like a small yeah. club, and, and I'm in it, and I'm gonna I'm writing a letter right now to the producers of Major League. <laughs> Dear sir or madam, I trust this letter uh, finds you well. The, uh, but you're asking about, so Moby the artist is the great, great nephew of Herman Melville. So change is like his name to Moby. That's kind of cool. Yeah, or at least according to his Wikipedia page, claims to be. But that's good enough for me. I trust Moby. And there were a bunch of Simpsons references in Moby Dick. And now, it may be fair to say there were a bunch of Moby Dick references in The Simpsons, but it felt like there were a bunch of... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. For for me, The Simpsons is canon and Moby Dick is terrific. Moby that's Dick fair. is just like, wow, how they how did they crib The Simpsons, uh, you know, 140 yeah. years beforehand? But um, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. Springfield. <laughs> nice. Anyway, really good book, and uh, it takes a while to get through because it is so dense. The dude is super into whales, and you're just like googling all the time because I just felt like there's so much stuff that I'm like, what even is this? And also, although you may, it's like where there are things that like I've never heard of, and I would like run up by Bridget. I'm like, have you ever heard of like? Ambergris? Be like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, the ambergris, absolutely. And then it kind of rattles off a bunch of things about ambergris. Do you think about ambergris, Adam? Isn't that like made from whale blubber? Jesus, am I the only one that doesn't like? It? I, okay, you know, I, we, but Bridget and I were both raised. You were raised in coastal cities, you know, so maybe that that's it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. On the yeah, do you, is there some mandatory whaling class in the Connecticut curriculum? <laughs> maybe that that would actually. Well, there I, used to be. 
there used to be. When they got rid of the Hartford Whalers, they also got rid <laughs> of the, right. the mandatory cancer requirement. Uh, too soon. Uh, no, fair enough. I But now I like, I really want to go to New Bedford. Like, I, 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 this is like a gateway drug. I'm getting super into whaling. Um, the, so that really highly recommended. Great, great book. Um, and I think that there's also a, a bunch of people that I've read. Because, I, you know, I threw this out there on the internet. A bunch of people are like, yeah, it's a great book. It's like the best ever. Um, this actually prompted me to read another book that I absolutely raced through that I, I could not put down um, on endurance, on uh, Shackleton's. Do, do you, what do you know about Shackleton, Arnold Shackleton? Zero. I, I, I even, even though you've mentioned Shackleton to me within the last few weeks, I feel like I've already dropped back to zero. So I was like, Shackleton, I don't know, Antarctica, stranded, like made it back. That's kind of what I knew about about Shackleton. Didn't really know much detail. Alfred Lansing wrote this book in like the 50s, like 1957 or something like this, on Shackleton. Amazing. This story is crazy. I mean, it is it's it's got to be the best survival story ever because and I this I don't feel this is a spoiler because this is like something I feel is well known about Shackleton. They all survive. And they survive, like, despite the absolute longest odds. And this book, Endurance, I was just a page ripper. And I would, I wish my kids were, I would read it aloud. This might be a read aloud to, to a younger kid, to, to Joshua. Maybe how, how, it, I mean, okay, it looks like it's not that long. It looks like it, that, that's mm. like a month or whatever. Yeah, cool. And I think that it would be, like, I almost, I, I wish my kids were a bit younger. I'd read, read it aloud. I think it's that good. So that's cool. what I'm going to say. Huh. Nice. So, uh, I, I think I'm done. I, I just had to get the I had to get the nautical books right out of my system, and I feel good. that we, we 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 basically did a good job. So I'm sorry. I'm done now uh, with that particular theme. <laughs> so can I pile onto the nautical theme? Go pile onto the nautical theme. Yes, please. Okay, I, I posted this one for you on Mastodon, but I actually managed to make it to the call today, despite not thinking I would. I hope my audio quality is okay. Um, it is so good. Aren't you at sea right now? Yes, I am literally at sea off the coast of Baja, uh, but uh, Starlink is holding up right now. So That's amazing. <laughs> it's a brave new world, uh, but I apologize for engine noise. Um, yeah, so I wanted to recommend Into the Raging Sea by Rachel Slade, uh, and it is a work of an investigative journalism about the sinking of the uh, USS El Faro in 2015, which was the first loss of a U.S. merchant marine vessel since uh, like the early 80s or something like that. Um, and it is both ex- both haunting because it um, pulls heavily from the recovered black box recordings from the bridge of the ship, including, I believe, all the, la- all the dialogue from the last chapter is taken verbatim uh, from the black box. Uh, but also uh, fascinating in the, the investigation of the both the proximate and the systemic issues that resulted in this ship being lost and 33 people being lost at sea. Um, you know, uh, the, the uh, cultural factors in the merchant marine, the great sexism and classism and racism, the economic factors that um, uh, cause shipping companies to be pushed to run leaner and leaner and cut corners everywhere we can, uh, the, the technological factors uh, in terms of like people relying on systems that present pretty pretty pictures over systems that are actually more accurate, um, and 
uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating and heartbreaking, and I, I recommend it to everybody. Yeah, this book looks great. I'd never heard of it until your recommendation on Mastodon yesterday, and this looks really terrific. So, yeah, I, I'm not done with my nautical theme, I think. I think this is going to be the, the, the next one I add to it. Um, but it really looks like a terrific book. And so I look forward to your review next year. <laughs> yeah, and, and do you are, are do you read maritime disaster books while at sea? I mean, I definitely admire that. <laughs> Sometimes I find it it's a really good way to fill time. I there was a while, maybe about ten years ago, where I read the Wikipedia index of shipwrecks by year, which is really actually shockingly interesting. Uh, you also learn that all these merchant marine ships, like they never die. Like they're built for one company for a purpose, but then they just sell it on to somebody else. So all these ships are floating around like 80 years old or something, right? With long, complicated histories. Yeah, I definitely, I, I could, I mean, that's a deep Wikipedia black hole. Did you find the, the, the root cause of the HMS comfort, by the way? This is, this is something that has bothered me. Do you, did you do this? What, oh, no, I, 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 I'm familiar I, with that. This is the container ship that broke into two, and then one oh, half, of it, the one half of it like burst into like burst into fire. And I wanted to like like does a ship? And this is like the the bow was separated from the stern. Like literally, the ship cracks in the two. These are two Ooh. wholly separate parts, and the bow portion of this container vessel burst into flames. And I'm like, look, like I'm not a maritime engineer, but does that seem normal to everybody? Like, does that seem, does that, would you expect fire? And I could not get the, I, you know, I mean, like the final accident report or whatever, and no one seems to care. No one died. So it's like, there's like, whatever, just a massive yeah, loss I of mean, property. Speaking as someone on a boat right now, like fire is one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you on a boat, which is counterintuitive. But if you think about it, like there's nowhere to go if there's a fire. Oh, yeah. The, one of my favorite, like, you know, you get one of these little, like, Discovery Channel documentaries, the Fire at Sea documentary is just, like, absolutely yeah. terrifying. Yeah, fires are very, very bad news. Yeah. If you want another Wikipedia black hole on a nautical thing to go down, look up the uh, the Halifax explosion, which was a cargo ship loaded with T uh, TNT during the First World War that exploded in Halifax Harbor and took a large portion of the city with it. Boy, the and and didn't start a war. It wasn't used as a cause for America to go. I'm sorry. I'm amazed that that the U.S. didn't use that as a cause to invade another country. I mean, is that the way those things generally rolled at that time? <laughs> no, no. But uh, when newspapers were writing about the um, first atomic bomb, they compared it to the Halifax explosion. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is a okay. Yeah, that is a that is a good Wikipedia black hole. That's great. <laughs> Good stuff. Yo, that's, that's a great recommendation. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Ian, you, do, you have a, do you have some good recommendations for us? Yeah, right now I'm reading If Then, How the Simulmatics Corporation Invented the Future, um, which I don't know if you, uh, which is by uh, Jill Lepore. I don't know if you've seen this one or heard of it. No. No, tell me about it. Um, it's uh about this corporation that lasts for about 11 years it's founded in 1959 and it's closes its doors in 1970 and they uh are doing very early work on um voter data collection and uh kind of um 
application of computers to social sciences to try and predict how voters will behave in an election. Um, so they're yeah. looking at the, uh, I think, 64 election was the first one that they really came into to view uh, on the JFK campaign. Um, and, uh, yeah, it seemed like a pretty, you know, high-profile uh, flame-out where it kind of burnt bright and not for very long and um, has some pretty interesting ties to um, the politics that were happening in that kind of 10-year period as well as just, like, computing in the Northeast where um, some of the work was done out of MIT and uh, on the early um, time-sharing systems that were in MIT and... Um, the invention of email or like early days of email were in that same uh like kind of tied in with this um yeah pretty interesting so far i'm about i don't know two-thirds of the way through at the moment yeah this looks really good and does this go in, what was the election in which univac was able to they might remember this correctly and maybe did they talk about this in the book where univac was used to predict was it the is it the 1960 election yeah I exactly. remember the details of that and and i think that they talk a bit about how um computers make their way into the newsrooms uh, of the tv stations at the time and start uh you know predicting results based on early returns um and then this kind of at the part that I'm kind of up to is uh, the New York Times um, uh, enter into a contract with this corporation uh, with Simulmatics to to be able to do some similar sorts of uh, reporting and they get some uh, IBM mainframes installed um, and uh, you know, hilarity ensues where the, they were not as competent as they seem to uh, indicate early on to the New York Times. So um, yeah, uh, pretty interesting stuff and some kind of U.S. history that I'm not super well-versed in. Yeah, that's really interesting. It was 1952, as a couple of people pointing out in the chat. There was the 1952 election. Um, that, uh, but that, yeah, this looks great. You know, how, how do you find what to read? <laughs> I just feel that you, you've had so many great recommendations for us that I've just never heard of before. Like, where how do you get your the, the next thing to read? Ian, are you seeing other podcasts? Is that what's going on? Exactly. Like, I mean, we're, I, and I, when we said that we were in an open relationship, we really didn't expect that, that you would be going to other podcasts. I don't know. This is... <laughs> I think this one may have been an Amazon recommendation going down the, di- the, the deep black hole, which is like similar items, and you're clicking through similar a few items. times before you find something that's like actually good. I did end up actually, uh, picking this book up um, in person in Portland um, when I went to the to Powell's. Powell's yeah. in um, that, and that has that some was, good stuff there. Yeah, you know, I've never actually been physically to Powell's. I've bought books from them online, but it was it was it was it great? Was it as good as it I imagine? I imagine it's a it's a huge bookstore, right? It's massive. It's absolutely massive, and there is a wall which is like. Um, historical business fiction which i spent a good i don't know 30 minutes pouring over all the titles and managed to restrain myself to buying only a couple of books because it was did you say uh, historical business fiction yeah yeah so like historical fiction but based on the kinds of stuff that we've been talking about on this podcast is like his uh you know 
Um, but nonfiction, right? Uh, nonfiction, non-fiction. sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. Non-fiction. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, <laughs> I, I was going to be very really excited is... for this genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like, right. that's, oh, a, oh, that's oh, a small demographic. Alternative but, histories. Yeah, that could be fun. Right. What, what if Sun had bought Apple? Yeah, and it's like it's right next to the business erotica section. Did you see that? Like that gets even weirder. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about that one. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that, that sounds yeah. I mean, I I love that. That sounds great. Uh, and so that, that you got if then there. Yeah. If yeah. then not the best title. That's, uh, that's a little bit of a rough, rough, rough title, but it's uh, I, I I bought a copy, so I. Ian, you could recommend pretty much anything. I think and I, I would. I would. <laughs> you got a very high hit rate. I've really enjoyed your recommendations. Do you? Have, speaking of which, do you have any others? I mean, is that yeah, to... I've got a couple others for today. Oof. I would note that um, I haven't read this one because it just got released. But uh, John Romeo just released his um, autobiography. Um, Doom is that by already out? I, th- I, yeah. I thought that's coming I, out. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is it out like this week? Yeah, it came out like. I don't know, on the 18th, so less than a week ago. Um, and Masters of Doom, I have not read. That's definitely on the queue. You've read Masters of Doom, right, Adam? And you really enjoyed yeah. it, I think. Yeah, you know, and I've, I've been waiting for, for Romero's rebuttal for, <laughs> for a while now. Yeah, uh, I would, I, Masters of Doom is definitely an excellent read, and I would recommend that as well. Yeah, uh, very fun, especially for folks who kind of grew up on Doom and, and that genre and 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 that kind of era of computing and video games. Um, Wolfenstein yeah, 3D. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, can't, I I'm really very much looking forward to hearing what Romero has to say, just because he he's not portrayed in the most flattering light. <laughs> yeah, this looks good. And so this is just out now. Ian, have you read this, or have you that you got this on the way? I guess. Yeah, yeah literally. I, tried I it. Yes, downloaded yeah. it to my Kindle, but not read it, so it's in the same state as uh, maybe Dick for Adam, I guess. Uh, yeah, I I feel like your likelihood of reading Doom Guy is higher than Adam's of reading Moby Dick. <laughs> Adam, Adam, am I disparaging you? I'm sorry. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, um, and then I've got one more for today. Um, this one is called. From Secret Ballot to Democracy Sausage, How Australia Got Compulsory Voting. Oh, that's interesting. So this is not in the usual <laughs> set of th- things that we, we talk about in this podcast, but um, it is about how um, the voting system in Australia uh, changed over time to, to be able to evolve to get... Um, both compulsory voting, but also it talks about the women's suffrage move, movement in Australia. Um, and the two are kind of tied together in, in many ways. Um, and yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty fascinating stuff, uh, particularly like uh, l- looking at how the US system and the Australia system are both kind of reactions to the problems at the point in time that they split off from the UK system. Um, and that, uh, you know, both of them are kind of reactions to the problems that they saw at the time. And uh, from that framing is kind of interesting. That looks really interesting. And Ian, have you read The Fatal Shore? No, I haven't. Oh, The Fatal Shore is so good. 
the fatal short this is by robert hughes um outstanding book on the history of australia i have tried to get more or less every australian i know to read it but no australian i know has read it and adam do this is do you recall this is on the book list for our wedding do you remember this I don't remember your book, your wedding having a you book remember, list, so that's that's on uh, me. I, I, I apologize. I, I feel like you are like most of our wedding goers in that you, <laughs> uh, like, I kind of faded out by page three of that letter you sent. So yeah, I don't know. If there's a book list at the end of it. I definitely missed it. The I had the okay, like perhaps ill-advised idea that like I we had a bunch of Americans going to Australia for our wedding. And uh, wanted to. I, it's it's easy for Americans to not appreciate that Australia is a different country with a very very different history. So I and the history is super important. I mean, like it is everywhere. And so uh, yeah, we put together a, a, a reading list that again, don't worry, no one else paid attention to either. Um, but the Fatal Shore uh, was was first among them because of the, the Fatal Shore is a really really good book. Um, and Ian, this looks great. The the secret wow. ballad. Yeah. Brian, I read Fail Shore too. My my favorite part of that was the story about the guy who escapes from Australia and joins some ship and ends up going all the way around the Pacific up through Japan and back to North America and down somewhere and then they recapture him and take him back to Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the and the because the system of of transportation, which is the, the Australia being used, and it, which is I mean, is super complicated, and you have a lot of people that are being transported that don't deserve it, and then you've got a, a people who are being transported who really do deserve it, as it turns out. And the um, Adam, a bunch of them actually, there's a group that escaped, came to San Francisco, and started burning down San Francisco. <laughs> so there's a <laughs> hey, the, that's a, the, the we don't like that the, here, the, right? The, 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 the I believe it was the Sydney Coves or the Sydney Ducks, some gang that had what I felt at the time was not a very menacing gang name. I don't know. I feel like, um, but yeah, Tom, I did you? I, I love the Fatal Show. I thought that was a great book. Yeah, it was a long time ago for me, so I don't remember too much. If you're going to Australia, if you're going to Australia and you would like our reading list, you could be the first person to, to read the books on it. I, the, the, I, <laughs> or even read the reading list. I don't think, he, I mean, I should have, I mean, I, I should have quizzed people on just the contents of the reading list. I'm not even asking you to read the you, books. You, you know how I know that I forgot about the reading list is because I didn't bring it up in every conversation when I've ever introduced you to anyone. This is the guy who had a reading <laughs> list for his wedding is what would have started every sentence with. So you're saying really it is a blessing that people did not make it to that final page. And <laughs> it's true. You know, no one has actually given me grief about the reading list or indeed said anything about the reading list. So maybe, yeah, maybe everyone just like faded out. Maybe no one even got there. Maybe you no know one what? even it's read his the day. reading list. It's, we should be kind. It's, right. his it's his day. Right. I guess the other possibility is that everyone's like, oh, wait a minute, is this reading list guy? Yeah, yeah, that's reading list guy. Yeah, right. like, <laughs> he got going on Moby Dick and I thought I was, I thought I was stranded on a wayward. I thought I was. Uh, yeah. All right, look. Something's going to change. Um, yeah, that's You're, great. I think uh, there's now multiple people asking for the reading list to be posted, so uh, make sure that that makes it to the show notes at the very least. Oh, the, the, my Australian reading list. All right, I'm I will. You know what? I will. Thank you, Internet. Someone wants my reading list, and I will. <laughs> uh, I, this is where I, this is where like the grand reveal is. Bridge is like I destroyed every copy of that thing. That was. <laughs> I, I, I married you despite the reading list. Like not the. Uh, so oh, she's like, no, 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 you sent it to me. I just didn't send it out to anyone. <laughs> right, right. But I gave you the reading list to send to the guests. And like, yes, and I know, and I told you I did it because 
I, I know what's best for you. Our whole relationship is founded on a lie. Founded on a lie of the reading list that was never sent. Uh, uh, that included actually a bunch of great books, but uh, Peter Carey book, which is terrific, uh, Leviathan, a bunch of good stuff. Book on the Dismissal, which is like something I an extremely hard book to find, but uh, the Dismissal is when the Governor General actually dismissed Parliament Australia. All sorts of interesting things about Australia that you could learn. You read the reading list, but yeah, I'll, I'll I think I speak for the entire internet when I say I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait, exactly. I can't wait to make fun of you for this. I the, <laughs> yes, please post the internet. This is like uh, the time Alexander's made a podcast, and he uh, won't share it with me. Even though he's like, it's genius, but no. And he's like, but Tobin, his older brother, is super into it. He wants me to send him like every episode. I'm like, are you certain that he's not making fun of you for it? Like, are you certain he's not wanting you to send him this podcast to? mock you mercilessly yeah knife's edge on that one right yeah uh ian those are great recommendations i uh, thank you very much are did any others we did, did we get the, the, the uh, three i think that's about it um yeah i would uh plus one on uh tom's recommendation of of some for the wild built the first in the monk and robot series um it's a light read but it's fun um and what? And where is, was that dropped in the chat? Where is that? Yeah, it was. Uh, Tom Tom yeah. dropped it in the chat. It's um, it's by Becky Chambers. Yeah, um, yeah it's a it's a It's about a tea brewing monk and his adventures with a wild built robot. All right. Yeah. The, I I need to. This is I, I assume science fiction, um, which I keep trying to find the right entree into i'm just not a science fiction person but i i it's not a point of principle um all right uh uh is that philip ov do you have some uh, yes um let's see if i can get all the way through this without crashing but like mentally because i have to load the entire context at least some interesting context from this book into my brain between my work day and now um I'm going to be talking about Barbarians Led by Bill Gates, which... Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a pretty, that seems like a pretty tortured pun on Barbarians at the Gates, which I'm sure came up as a phrase. I'm not sure if on the side of Microsoft or on the side of the DOJ in the early Microsoft days, like 80s, 90s early, I mean. Uh, Boy, is it, a, is it a pun on the Barbarians of the Gate book, the, about Arger, which is a terrific book, by the way, about Arger Nabisco and private equity? Anyway. You're, you're, you're already going far deeper than I have, because I mean, <laughs> I've, look, I, I've been, as far as, the, I'm kind of going on a Microsoft history binge. I, I kind of have to. Okay. Um, and this, the, okay, like Overdrive, Showstopper, they've all been, hey, Showstopper, they've all been um, podcasted to death, so I can just listen my way through those instead of having to read my way through those. Um, but this one's kind of niche. I found it for like six bucks and a half price books. And in Redmond, in Redmond, obviously, because where else do you get my niche Microsoft titles? Um, and it's like a loose collection of stories it all, all put together with the objective of, okay, back in the day when the DOJ was clamping down on Microsoft, this book was written as a weird, like, r reverse hit piece where they're like, okay, everybody's going to think that Microsoft, you know, Bill Gates and everybody, they're so Machiavellian, they're so evil. Um, they always have everything calculated. This book was like, wait, 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 wait. They're all idiots. 
and they were all just barely getting by. They had no plan. They're all mad, all, all no plan over there. Um, so we're just going to write about all the dysfunction in there, and hopefully this proves that Microsoft is defensible against the DOJ just because they weren't planning to be this evil. It just happened that way, right? Very, very funny premise for a book. Um, yeah, an interesting tack. The, there is so much, I mean, it's not like the stories are all in one cohesive order and there's one big payoff. Like, I think they jump across time a little bit. Um, but one interesting one I think that you'll like in the uh, Cantarillaverse is that, and you you in particular, um, the reason, uh -oh. so you DOS robbed you of your childhood, right? No memory protection. They had memory protection on those CPUs, right? But they never used it, right? That's correct. Okay. So you know why they how they finally got memory protection into the into Windows 3.0. Of course, it seems like from this book, Microsoft was still so completely unsure of what their strategy was for the next operating system um, while dealing with IBM. Right? Are we going to deal with IBM Top View? What's their strategy for OS 2? the history of these operating systems and how they're going to deal with each other, it's a lot less clear cut than I thought it was. I'm Gen Z, so I have no perspective on this. Okay, they found a professor who had written a debugger, a scroll screen trace debugger, and they took interest in this debugger. They brought him on, this guy named Sargent, and he started working with his debugger. I don't know if he, let's see, it was his... Yeah, I guess he kept using that debugger. He just debugged his way through a prototype of Windows 3.0 that could take all the programs that were never designed to run in protected mode and run in protected mode. So he used a debugger, your favorite thing, to get through non-protected mode, your least favorite thing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I wonder, what was the name it, of the debugger? Yeah. You know? uh, it is. The one that he was recognized for was SST, the scroll screen tracer debugger. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I had like five minutes to scroll through. I think he kept using that debugger to find all to find and squash all the bugs. And at that point, it's another one of those stories. It's like the IBM PC, right? If they knew how big of a deal this was going to be, they would have just put a ton of people on it, and it would have fallen over. But they got this professor in. He sneakily made this memory protection, protected memory prototype. And just because he was able to get it in under the radar meant that, oh, finally, we can now present it to management and be like, here's our case to, to go forth. So do I infer correctly, do you work for Microsoft? I assume you work for Microsoft? I do. And I, so... I was praying that I do not get pinged on call while, wait, while telling this story. Right. And so for you, is the, like, the evil Microsoft, is that, like, I, I mean, because I, I, that must feel, like, otherworldly at this point. It, it, no, it's kind of absolutely. Like... So I only get traces and hints of it because the people I came around while growing up were all of, all the parents were, like, 40-year-old Microsoft. Like, what happens when you take all those evil jackasses and they turn 40 <laughs> or 50 or 60? And then what are those personalities, Right. They usually well, don't. It, it all turns remain, out they find so. like they they try to cure tuberculosis or every, whatever. I mean, Gates seems to have been kind of like now 
has like redeeming qualities. So I feel that, not, although actually maybe now with the divorce. Fly, not all of them fly off from the East side. Some of them are only millionaires instead of billionaires. So they live around here, right? So I only got that culture. And of course, Microsoft pushes all this open source stuff, which I love, by the way. I, which is crazy to think. I, I mean, and, I mean, I mean, it's good. It is. It's great. And in fact, we were just we were talking about playwright uh, last last week, right? And it's right. amazing. And is it it is a Microsoft tool, open source Microsoft tools? No, they, it's been. Uh, I mean, Microsoft. It, it is amazing how much has culturally changed from when this book is written in 1998, which is really kind of the peak of it. I've got another book suggestion for you, actually. If you're if you are at Microsoft and you're interested in kind of understanding that era, uh, a book. And there we I go. Remember you re- the, the, uh, actually, no, this is a great book, Startup by Jerry Kaplan. Have you read this, Adam? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a minute. I think it it actually was given to me uh, along with um, the barbarians uh, led by Bill Gates by you know relatives who didn't know what to get me for Hanukkah some years. You know, uh, but it's been a long time. It's worth a reread. I had read it when I when it, this was a book that came out in 1995. I read it when I first came out to Silicon Valley in 1996. But I had not read it since. And Jerry Kaplan is a uh, has started a tablet company called Go, which makes it now not, not Go the programming language, Go the company, um, and it is a really, really, really good read. Um, oh, and then yes, one of this one, came up. This came up in Barbarians. Um, the Go com- If I'm not this, this was the like the writing tablet Go, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. This this book has an entire chapter. Of them just Windows, uh, uh, Microsoft getting so distracted with the one goal of just fucking over Go yes. with ten Windows, and it's like, good job, everybody, <laughs> you did it. You wrote the thing that obsoletes Go. They're not a concern on the market, and nobody cares about it. Uh, yes, and good so job, guys. startup is st- startup is basically a retelling of that from Kaplan's perspective, and it does feel like very directed. Of like we are, and this is kind of the era of this is before the findings of fact, um, and they were kind of with impunity. They would kind of announce that they're doing something to destroy a startup, um, and it was really very felt very stifling. But it's it's definitely an interesting. Uh, it will couple well, it will pair well um, with, See, uh, with it's stuff. It's stuff like this that I don't. I I never like the point of view that people have about. Oh man, Google is just not successful at all. I wish Google were successful. If Google became the next Microsoft, we would have this whole evil, 30 years of evil replayed on the web. And it's, yes. it's very important yeah. to not have companies so evil that they they spend they go out of their way to screw over startups and then get nothing out of it. Uh, yes, it, it, Microsoft was it was it was pretty bad behavior in the in the the, the late nineties, and we were well served by the DOJ ultimate findings of fact, and the yeah. I think they they really cooled their jets honestly after that, and then they kind of went into their. I own don't know how I period. didn't connect these. I don't know how I didn't connect these dots earlier, but it's only super super recently that I realized that the um, "Don't be evil" motto that Google used to have it wasn't some moral stance that they were keeping internally about let's. Let's all do nice things for the no. If that was just market subtle marketing to be anti Microsoft, because back then, yes, if yeah, you said that is, evil, yeah. evil in the context of software, of course you're talking about Microsoft. I uh, no, we my generation does not get that now. I did not get that. No, and it's I and, say evil. Oh, Microsoft. 
Well, and this is like a big wake-up call when we were trying to hire someone who was trying to decide between Joint at the time, uh, Microsoft, and Facebook, and went to Facebook, and all of the younger millennials were my reaction is like, well, at least you didn't go to Microsoft, so I can still like have some respect for him. And he's like, what are you talking about? Microsoft's a fine company. The fact that he went to Facebook, like, I'm disgusted. Like, I actually thought higher of him than that. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, Facebook is the one. I okay. will it's- confirm that this is this is the view now. That if you oh, go to, he- I had I had an offer for Meta before I before I. Uh, a hundred percent. And this was in 2016 when it was, and I feel like I was kind of late to that realization. And, uh, but yes, it was very clear that like that meta had Facebook had really lost their way. And what, um, I mean, justifiably younger folks thought of Facebook the way I had thought of Microsoft. And for good reasons, it turns out the, 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 the kids are all right. The kids are right about that one. Yeah. And my last dig at Microsoft will be, I am starting my own timer to see when device script will be mentioned in a podcast because that is definitely up up the same alley as hubris and we will see where that goes especially with your node marriage and divorce uh, I'm waiting for okay well I mean obviously you you've sent us device script now I'd not heard of it until now so we're gonna you your, your okay, timer I'm, again. I'm, I'm your so timer sorry. right now um, okay <laughs> yeah right I, I'm sorry oh. for, if I rabbit hole this and put us so deeply over time. I'll just say this before leaving. Um, TypeScript on microcontrollers. That is it. Yeah. This looks wild. This looks it, wild. It, this has got ultra Java overtones, <laughs> Adam. Yeah, speaking of uh, old Nano school Java, sound, absolutely. Yeah. Java in the planets. Oh, yep. God. Yeah. Um, and Adam, I know you're going to have to disappear in... in shorters because you've been yep. away from home so well then, then um, i before i do i have one other book that i've been really enjoying that yeah. i'm listening to i feel you know as you know i feel you don't stop being that. dirty about it no you said you um, like every time you say you listen to a book you apologize, so, apologize. that's right so I'm, I'm listening to chernow's washington you know i yeah. loved hamilton just like every everyone does um but um and the reason i got there was i had like credits on audible that were going away and i was like what is the longest book I can get for the fewest credits. And it Moby is like for fucking dick. <laughs> no, it's no, no, no. This is longer. Moby Dick was 24 what? hours. This is 41. I'm okay, move over. Uh, yeah, Moby dick. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Step aside. Um, and I think I, I mean, fascinating, uh, you know, uh, huh. that, that time period is obviously fascinating, but I think the things, uh, uh the discussion of slavery and the founding, a very nuanced discussion of that. Uh, oh, you know, um, Washington's views were were really interesting. Surrounded by Hamilton and other aides de camp, and became much more progressive, sort of in their, uh, you know, in in that military family, which was really interesting to see how, for him, the youth was influencing him in a much more progressive direction. Um, huh. But the other big big sort of surprise or thing that I didn't quite appreciate was the degree to which. Um, you know, he needed to make sure everyone understood that he was not going to be a monarch because people didn't understand forms of government that were not monarchies. So people are like, oh, okay, wait, I guess we have a president. I guess that's sort of like a king, right? Um, and it was really important that he had no children, that he and Martha Washington have no children of their own. So in, in a lot of ways, he was a safe pick for president because, the, the, you know, the, there were no, uh, he had no sons to like marry off to royalty off in Europe. But, That's really interesting. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I, recommend it though. It sounds like. And much, much more. I mean, that's that's like you know thirty seconds of the forty-one hours. I'm. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I'm really enjoying it. I love Chernow. Yeah, exactly. And, and apparently there's a bunch of new scholarship about Washington. So it's not just a retread, but there was, uh, I mean, new, you know, I think it was written in 2010, but new a- as of then. So, um, you know, it wasn't just sifting over what other folks had already written, but actually a bunch of new stuff that had not been woven into a narrative. I have to say, the other reason I love Hamilton and Chernow is to just to put TJ back in his place. Thomas Jefferson, I'm not a Thomas Jefferson fan. And I, I, you know what? I, 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 li- I love the fact that Hamilton basically hates his guts and views him, <laughs> a, views him as a chicken, and yeah. and and calls him out on his own hypocrisy on on you know t- t- talking a mean game on liberty and then being an unapologetic slaveholder. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, very nuanced on Washington too, where he, I mean, he like he had very little money. Like he kept up this appearance of having tons of money mm. and. Was but you know didn't want to sell off slaves but anyway very complicated conflicted and you know all of these de- declarations about liber- liberty um, you know have a very sour taste when you have massive slaveholders running the government. That's yeah, so, that's anyway, great. Yeah, it's a great one. Really enjoying it. That is awesome. And Adam, if the um, Jeff the Wolf with the pacifier will stay if you yes yes if, don't if worry the drop right. So Craig, um, Craig is in for the long haul. Craig, Craig's in for the long haul. Craig is like, tell me more about that reading list. I want to go back to that. Yeah. List. I was just like, just riveted at the edge of my seat. Yeah. Uh, Mikowski, do you have uh, some books for us? I... Go for it. We can't hear you, or I can't hear you. But Discord may be going split brain. I don't know. No, the, Adam, the would... green circle isn't appearing on Discord, so that means the problem is between Mikowski and Discord. Oh. How about now? Hey. How about now? Yeah, we can hey, sorry. First time listener, or long time listener, first time caller, so I apologize for that. Um, I actually uh, just snuck out of my office to tell you guys about these books, so I'm going to be super quick. Um, but I have an elevator pitch for two different titles um, that kind of come from the sort of Cantrillian world of like, organizational behavior that leads to terrible engineering outcomes. Um, the first is California Burning by, uh, I believe it's Catherine Blunt. I don't have my notes in front of me. She's a Wall Street Journal reporter, and that is a deep dive into the history of PG&E, so both the history of electricity coming to San Francisco and California, but then also the, uh, the incentives and the organizational behavior and um, other things that led them to accidentally blow up San Bruno and then burn down uh, Paradise, California. Um, the like teaser fact, I guess I'll share from that one is the there's a great sort of um, metaphor for tech debt in your engineering projects. I think there in that much of the problems that PG&E has had in the past few decades have been coming from uh, the fact that they are financially incentivized to build new things and not to maintain old things. Um, and, and that is a theme that runs throughout their history. I uh, don't know if anyone's already read that one, but I would definitely no, recommend that for any great. tech leader or engineer. Yeah, this looks really, really good. Great recommendation. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, and I'm going to run back to my, my cube, uh, is the, it's called a uh, command and control by Eric Schlosser. Um, oh, and that yes. is, yeah. Oh, you know this one. Okay, cool. So you can probably sell it better than me. (laughs) 
Um, I guess my quick synopsis or, or, or pitch for it would be um, it's both the history of the American nuclear arsenal. Um, so it walks you through like the early days um, and then the kind of well speed walks you to the 80s, which is when the actual incident occurred. Um, and the, the acute thing that happened was a technician accidentally dropped a wrench and blew up an ICBM in Arkansas in the United States. Um, but the that, that's not even a spoiler because uh, the real story is the um, like fact that we didn't actually accidentally have a nuclear detonation in our in our Cold War history as a nation um, and just sort of a recount of like all of the lessons learned and sometimes lessons that we should have learned but didn't uh, related to how we designed for safety in our, our nuclear armaments. Um, and also, I would say there's even like a debugging line in there because uh, as their missile silo is on fire and they don't know what's going on, they they realize that like all of the systems they had designed to make it safe were not working. So um, really good read there. And I think both of those titles are... ...lost you. Or... Uh, those... It, it, Sorry about that. <laughs> My phone no me. I was just ending with, uh, I think both of those titles are fairly accessible, not overly wonky. Um, so I would definitely encourage that. Like, I, I tell my teams, my, my software teams to take a look at them as well. Uh, really broadly applicable lessons. Totally agree. And I actually read Command and Control um, after Atomic Accidents. So um, I'm not sure if you if you read, if you read Atomic Accidents. Atomic Accidents is a great book um, that surveys essentially every atomic accident that happened in the U.S., um, and it is remarkable. We came, Steve, if you read this, this is like, we came no, remarkably, remarkably close to nuking South Carolina. Can you imagine if we had nuked South Carolina? Seems bad. <laughs> but it's like, there's no, I mean, can you imagine? There's no way to be like, oh, sorry, that was us nuking South Carolina. They'd be like, Soviets, what? <laughs> right? yeah. you, you know they'd be like well now we have to also nuke Mo funny story but now we have to nuke Moscow as well or we're, we're going to have to own the fact that we nuke I mean it, it is uh, just absolutely wild that we, we got so lucky um, and in some of these accidents just extraordinarily lucky and there are actually uh, we in, in some of these accidents we actually didn't blow something up because something failed if something had actually operated as designed we would have actually nuked ourselves so um but command and control is a great book um and i love the the yeah the california burning uh, that, that's you know what i have not read also is uh smartest guys in the room which i've been um it's, it's been on the list for quite some time um uh, yes, yeah, so it wasn't this. The Arkansas is the yeah. This uh, and this is it is a Titan missile, if I'm remembering correctly. It's a it's a it's a silo that um, and the, the wrench is dropped down the silo. And the book is also just all about the engineering of the silo, which is super complicated, um, as as one Look, might imagine. Have you been to the Titan II museum near two? No. No, it's a silo. You can go in a silo and it's got the whole thing. So it's really highly recommended. It, uh, interesting. And if you read Command and Control, Tom, you would love Command and Control if you haven't read it. Very no, true. I have not. Yeah, it's it's really good. Especially if you've got any interest in um, in Titan, you would love it. Um, all right. Other uh, 
did I go through all my? I, I mentioned Creative Capital last time about George Dorio, great book on one of the first venture capitals. And I, I, I imagine Adam, I imagine you taken off at this point. But um, another one that I actually really liked after the you know Steve Jobs and the Next Big Thing, which a bunch of us read by Randall Strauss. I'm like, I gotta just go read more books by Randall Strauss. And I read E Boys, terrible title, um, on by Randall Strauss about the history of benchmark capital, um, which was I really enjoyed, and is I definitely recommend. I- uh, now there has to be an e-boy VC firm. Like, how, is that not just so there can be another book with that title? Uh, yeah, the, the and you know it's kind of funny because I, I get the sense that like I think the book is pretty well researched, but I think Benchmark's a little uncomfortable with the book. Um, the Benchmark Capital is really interesting, actually, Steve. It's, it's, it, one of the things that's funny about Benchmark is you know there are a bunch of things that we've done at Oxide that we think okay, no one has like. You know, I mean, we've got a uniform compensation across oxide, which is like totally radical. And then you realize that, like, actually, benchmark capital does the same thing. <laughs> and the, it, it, actually, as it turns out, like, there are actually quite a few high-performing teams that do these same kinds of things, which is definitely interesting. Uh, and Ian is also recommending the uh, benchmark, the podcast on Acquired. Acquired is a great podcast, and they did a an acquired on benchmark that is really worth listening to. Um, and yeah, if you, this someone was saying, I, I listened to the acquired on benchmark and then bought, and then bought e-boys. e-boys. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good read. I mean, Randall Strauss is a great author and um, it is mainly about eBay, which is kind of the reason he called it e-boys. It's again, terrible title, really call it literally anything else. Um, but it is, it's pretty interesting. Cause eBay was just, absolutely minting money early um and is like a no-brainer from a vc perspective because they are like immediately profitable but um the way they operate as a firm is really pretty interesting and then let's see what else did i we talked about losing the signal that was uh which was fun um that was folks didn't get a chance to uh to listen to that um and oh the recommending that the, the sibling podcast to acquired called founders of the Check that out. Um, Acquired is a great, great podcast. Uh, any other, Steve? You have, do you have any uh, any recommend, book recommendations? Oh, I have one book that I'm reading, and by reading, I mean I'm reading it really slow. But I am I am part of the way through it. But I've enjoyed it a lot so far. Is uh, the Color of Law: A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America? And it's oh, uh, a, it's it. And what's really interesting about it too is it starts off by saying the author deliberately just chooses to talk mostly about San Francisco, not because San Francisco is particularly bad or different than any, anywhere in the U.S., but because San Francisco has such a progressive reputation. The author is basically like, if I can convince you that it has deeply racist policies, you could be convinced that the entire rest of the United States does. Um, and yeah. so most of the stories in it are actually Bay Area focused. Yeah. Um, and for, but for that like strategic reason, which I also thought was an interesting point about things. Um, but yeah, but they talk a lot about zoning law and like how, uh, the way the federal government ran government housing and like different things that happened and, you know, stuff that was technically illegal, but was overlooked by authorities because they didn't want to le- make stuff legal. So just all kinds of things. So it's, it's a good book, although obviously, you know, not a great topic, but uh, just an know, important topic. Those things, yeah, it's like it's important to remember these things have happened in living memory about people who are like older than me. But you just like you know the past is racist, but then you like read some history and you're like, wow, it's somehow even worse than that. 
Um, so anyway, a sobering, but, but good book. Um, so that's the only thing I'm like actively reading right this second. Yeah, it's a good recommendation. Yeah, that's, um, and yeah, I mean, the, the Bay Area history is rife with it. So yeah, I, best of my knowledge, no community is really, as you say, it's just like, this was very, very pervasive and, and, uh, deeply uncomfortable, but something that is important to confront and learn about. Um, all right. Any, uh, other recommendations? Other books? We've got a good. I, I've I've got a good reading list. Yeah, Tom, go ahead. I dropped it in. I dropped it in the chat, and it's science fiction, so you might not like it. But uh, you know what? Go ahead, try by, me. The books by John Sundman. I think the first one is Acts of the Apostles, and it it features a fictionalized company, which is a merger of Sun and Digital, and uh, a lot of thinly veiled <laughs> fictionalized executives. So it's, it, it's, a fun, it's a fun read. This sounds like the genre. This is like business science fiction is what it sounds right, like. Right. So the, the, now, this it's is some science fiction, fiction I can get behind. Yeah. And I don't know if you know John Sundman, but he, he was a tech writer on the East Coast, one of the first uh, East Coast employees. And so he's, he's still pretty active writing stuff. That sounds great. Uh, no, that sounds like a great redo. And, and sorry, what did you say the title was? Acts of the Apostles. Acts so, of the Apostles. All right. Not a not yeah. a science fiction title, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and th- th- when was it written? Is it written? Is it is it kind of current day or is it? Um, it's written in early '90s, I think. And then he's done kind of a couple of riffs on it and updates, and so it's it's a little bit hard figuring out which what order to read things in. And this is acts like ACTS of the Apostles. Right, right. Man, I'm just getting like a bunch of free downloads from the Catholic online learning resources. I, this, I gotta. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Find... Sean, Sean Sundman, S U N D M A. Oh, there we go. I got it. Okay. Yeah, the, the, this looks uh, this looks good. I have to. Um, I tried to read um some Werner Vinge. To be like, you know, like, I, I like the idea, like, you know, this obviously coined the Vingian singularity. I like the idea of like software archaeologists. I thought was really interesting. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to like just sit down and really force myself to read this. And it was just, I, I just couldn't get through the first page. I, it's funny. I just started reading him too. And it, uh, it is very slow going at first, but now I'm getting into it. Okay. So maybe I need to, and, and Tom, you, you're a science fiction reader. Like, I mean, you enjoy science fiction, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, my wasted youth. <laughs> right. I think I've, uh, I've read at least 50 books by Philip K. Dick. Just yeah. Do you, do you recommend that? I mean, do you like what is a good to someone who is a not a science fiction reader? What is a science fiction book you'd recommend? Oh, is that, a, that's, is that an unfair queen. question? Oh, oh, and the one I really liked was The Sparrow. This, and what did you say, Steve? The the Guin? Uh, Leguin, Ursula Leguin. Uh, Ursula Leguin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could also pick specific ones, but just like that is how I always point people to if they like want to experience science fiction. Uh, she's my favorite author in general in that genre. Awesome. That's a great recommendation. She's great. The, with with the Sparrow, it's a story of first contact and how everything can go wrong, and it's pretty hilarious. Pretty hilarious. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I want to get. I do want to get more into it because I think it's like it's an important genre, and I need to like, like, what's my problem? Why can't I just, you know, I don't know. Um. So yeah, I'm excited to. Th th those are a bunch of good recommendations. All right. Do we uh, now? I need, this is where I need to make sure that uh, there were not speaking requests that I missed, or maybe there are. Hold on, just a second. Uh, oh yes. Sorry, I've got two speaking requests that I need to process. There we go. Ian, Ian's coming back, and uh, and Ben's here. All right, Ben, do you have a recommendation? Yeah. Uh, first, just a a comment. Uh, you you reminded me before. Oh gosh, talking about maritime disasters. Um. In, in response to a previous episode, I bought Flying Blind and immediately took it on an airplane and started uh, reading the book during takeoff. <laughs> Realized my mistake and put the book down. <laughs> what did you think of Flying Blind, though? Wasn't that good? I thought Flying Blind was really good. I... The, the, the book is written in this dark and brutal way, especially the open... Like, it hits hard right out of the gate. And, and it... it it also like it pushes like the the humanity and the actual like truly terrible and, like on on top yeah. of how, like screwed the business model and everything was that that also kind of surprised me. I expected it to be more technical than it was, but it was really about business and management and really trying to drive home how awful these accidents really were. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, which it's, I it's, actually I actually appreciated because I felt like there was. I mean, just bluntly, there was some implicit racism in there in the dismissal oh, yeah. of both the the Indonesian crash and especially the Ethiopian crash. As someone who has flown Ethiopian Airways and absolutely loved it, it's a terrific flying experience. And I'd recommend Ethiopian in a heartbeat to anybody. It was a great airline, uh, and I thought they were really, really maligned. And man, those pilots, those poor pilots, they were doing absolutely doing the right thing in the Ethiopian air crash, especially. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm currently reading um, a book by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, it's, yes. So, oh, you've heard of this? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've heard of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely been of note. Do you, and are you liking it? Oh, uh, it's. It is uh, a little bit challenging to get through at first because every couple pages, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just need to think about this for a little bit and like. Because this is it's it starts dredging up so many examples of like weird behavior that you've seen people do or you've noticed in yourself, and then all of these things make sense. Um, but I'm 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 very much in the in the back half of the book now, which is much more about um, all the the uh, psychology that Kahneman Tversky developed, making its way into economics, and that is also a little trippy. Yeah. Um, so I. It, it, I have not read Thinking Fast and Slow, but I've read um, Michael Lewis wrote The Undoing Project, um, another terrible title, on, not a good title, um, but about, that is about actually Kahneman and Tversky and their kind yeah. of partnership and collaboration. Yeah, I um, read that too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, it, but you're you're enjoying Thinking Fast and Slow. Oh yeah, I think the the, the other thing is I'm uh, I at some point I need to go through here and like pick out the all the papers and such that, that Kahneman references, it is like, I mean, of course it's written by, it's written by, you know, a, a scientist, college professor, researcher, you know, but it is incredibly well cited. Like almost, almost every statement that he makes is attributed to some particular study. Like, you know, some, some paper by some, usually, you know, mentions author's last name and year or something like that. Right. Interesting. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, a good one. Do, um, 
do you uh, any other suggestions? Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> so nope. make sure you got through nope. the, the ones you had. That, I, excellent. Yep. Suggestions given. Uh, and Ian, will you come back to? Yeah, I went back another? through the um, show notes and realized I had not recommended this one that I had read a few years back. It's called uh, The Man Who Solved the Market, How Jim Simons Launched the Quant Revolution by Gregory Zuckerman. Um, it's a book about uh, Greg Simons and um, the uh, Renaissance uh, uh, quants, you know, their uh, medallion fund and how, how um, Jim Simons kind of started the quant revolution and that kind of stuff. Oh, that's interesting. And when is that? Are they... I think they... So so he was tinkering on it for a a while and it did not really bear fruit until um, the late 80s, like 88 or something. Um, Interesting. And, uh, yeah, it kind of kicks up um, on his early research, his early kind of... It, it follows his life, basically. And um, it does also talk about um, uh, Robert Mercer a bit and how uh, he fits in with um, the funding of right-wing PACs and, and various other um, kind of things that he's been associated with. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd be interested to just read a... Wait, this looks like a good book. But the... Um... Because it was like D. E. Shaw and I want and, and O'Connor and Associates, right in Chicago, that were that were on the in the eighties, um, that were beginning to discover that they could do these things kind of um, algorithmically. They could trade algorithmically. They could front run. They could do. And apparently, it was like just an era where you was like really easy to front run because there are these big trades. You could see these big trades happening and very easily get in front of them. Um, there's a lot of money to be made, but yeah, this is and and, and well written. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed this one. This is a good one, uh, at least from memory. Is about three years ago that I read this one. Yeah, there's another book of that book about quants called The Predictors, and this is about the group that got started in Santa Fe, basically a bunch of chaos theory people, and some guy, some guys who used to cheat at blackjack with with computers in their shoes and stuff like that. So it's good fun. And so what was that? That sounds like the eudaimonic pie. Um, because the eudaimonic pie is roulette, not blackjack. Have you read the eudaimonic pie? Have we not talked about the eudaimonic pie? Tom, I, the eudaimonic pie, which is, this is, this is hilarious because uh, Amazon has just said frequently bought together the predictors and the Unimoney Pi. So Pi, okay. I forget how, but but my uh, it the predictors was about the prediction company. Got which, it. Uh, one of my brothers ended up as COO there in the early <laughs> years. But uh, is, but, is this uh, his brother that invented the optical mouse? Nope, nope. That was that was my smart brother. That's the smart brother, right? God, the, the line family. Amazing. Um, yeah, that looks good. So the eudaimonic pie, I, and I want to get the predictors. The eudaimonic pie is a really good book. Another, like, not great title, um, but about, have you read this, Tom? Uh, uh, this is about the UC Santa oh, Cruz. I don't think I have. So this is Doyne Farmer, who is now at the at the Santa Fe Institute, and 
this is physicists and computer scientists at the at UC Santa Cruz. Same kind of thing. It was computers in in their shoes, and they had decided that like, look, roulette is Newtonian. We can predict roulette, um, and it's an amazing story, nonfiction, really uh, incredible. Um, and uh, they are the reason that electronic devices are banned in casinos. So uh, definitely worth I reading. I don't think I read that, but there's clearly a heavy overlap. With the clearly a heavy overlap. Yes, and I enjoyed to to, to folks who have read. Ben Masters' Burning Down the House, which is a very entertaining, but kind of like, it's a little bit of cotton candy, um, book about card counting, I recommend The Eudaimonic Pie, um, because it's, uh, again, not a good title. I'm not, I feel like, is our titles that hard? I feel like it, 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 we've got a lot of great books with titles that are kind of mediocre here, or, or worse. Um, I feel like we could do better on titles, but... Um, Burning Down the House is heavily overused. Burning down that yes, that is it is a that is an entertaining book though. Uh, Burning down the house is a very entertaining book about. I didn't the... have to think about. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna. I, I got. Uh, I got to be easy about that because you know the title of my book is just literally the thing that it is. So I didn't have to. Think about <laughs> yes. it, so it wasn't hard for me, but for other titles, I'm sure it's one of the most difficult parts of writing a book. Yeah, I mean the Rust programming language. I gotta say that's a title, that's a pretty good title, and a lot of those books could serve to learn from your your book, Steve. And they should they should give it a book that, that's simply just be about a nonfiction thing that can be explained very simply. It's just that easy to have a good title to your book. No big deal. It, it, it's it's that easy. Good stuff. All right. Well, I'm, again, I want to make sure that everyone got a chance to to offer theirs. But um, as we uh, as we did. Previously, this is a, we got a lot of really uh, good books in here. Oh, hold on, where did I? I have now lost the channel. Um, but uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff, a lot of good reading for uh, the next year. And I actually went back and listened to the to the episode from last year and realized that I've got some things I need to that I had meant to click on that I didn't quite purchase. So, um, but in years I've I've already bought a couple of the ones that you recommended. So they're they're already en route. Uh, I I appreciate that you that you like my recommendations. Thanks. Yes, you have this. You have an extraordinary power, Ian. Use it wisely. Um, and if then uh, headed my way, looking forward to it. So, just got the notification that it shipped. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, thank you very much, Adam and Absentia. Thank you. Um, and thanks everyone as always for uh, Books in the Box three and. Uh, looking forward to we'll make this a kind of a, a quasi annual tradition so if you read any good books in the coming year uh, be sure to bring them next year thanks everyone